all this complexity is there. And what that means is pre-sales has to handle that. So it's just because it's a smaller account and a smaller revenue size, smaller deal size, that doesn't mean that a more junior folk can handle it. They don't necessarily have the experience to take on that complexity, even in that smaller deal. I think what what we're seeing now uh, at our company and, and, and others is trying to find the right blend This is Presales Heroes, which is from Vivin, the world's first platform for presales. Today we're talking to Shannon Holgate, a longtime solutions engineering executive at Oracle. In addition to his hero origin story, which has to do with a couple of harrowing acquisitions, Shannon talks about how Oracle is sourcing the next generation of presales people, and he also talks about the mistake that companies make with presales teams when they try to move down market. The size of the target prospect's company changes, but the complexity doesn't. So what do you do? Hi, I'm Greg Howard, and I'm talking with Shannon Holgate, a senior solution engineering executive at Oracle. Shannon, thanks for talking to me today. Oh, my pleasure, Greg. You're calling out of Boston, where I think you kind of scared me earlier by telling me it had gone down from 90 degrees to 70 degrees. Is that right? That's right. We're uh, we're about 75 right now and just under uh, about 50% humidity. Uh, when I woke up this morning, though, it was uh, 58 and 82% humidity. So it's it's a bit of a jungle lately. Well, I do these conversations out of San Francisco, but I, I was in Boston for, for about six years and I, I remember, I loved it, but I remembered that the the summers were grueling and the winters were long, but the, but the two week and a half you get a fall makes it all worth it. I, I don't know if that's uh, just my perception. That's what I remember. No, spring and fall are definitely gorgeous times of the year here. Uh, let's go into your hero origin story, which I thought was really interesting when we talked about it before, because uh, I always hear sort of different approaches. But the thing the thing about going into pre-sales for you is that you knew it was out there. You really wanted it and you saw an opportunity to take it. You took it. And I wonder if you could just kind of tell me that story again. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> I actually started out in the software development area. I was doing some some design and development for a small company out in uh, San Jose uh, back in the uh, early 90s. And that company didn't, they didn't have a pre-sales organization or even role really. It was more of a, you know, they'd take a, a software engineer, engineer out with the sales rep if need be sort of a situation. And uh, so th- I started in development and then I, I started started to evolve my my own career where I got into training because I was the only one that knew what I had developed. So I started training customers. And then from there, I moved into implementations at a different company. So kind of consulting and in- implementation and support work. Ultimately, I got into uh, an early CRM vendor by the name of Vantive, <clears throat> Vantive Corporation, and I joined that company because it was it was rising at the time, and you know CRM in general was a was a new and rising area. So I, I got in there as a customer success manager since I had done all that post sale work, and I obviously had the technical chops. So I. I was in uh, customer success, <clears throat> and while I was there, is when I really first saw the pre-sales role. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like when it, when I was in training, I enjoyed being in front of the customer, but I didn't enjoy kind of training the same thing over and over again. You know, like a course week by week, as as that training kind of goes. 
And I, I obviously like getting my hands dirty in the software and doing some configuration and development and so on. And what I saw in front of me in the pre-sales role was kind of a beautiful combination of those things, right? You get to be the, the technical expert, and, but also be up in front of the room and positioning and, and selling and showing and teaching all together into one role. And I really wanted it. There was no opportunity immediately in front of me. And I, and I let the, uh, the management there know I wanted to make that shift, but um, nothing had come about until Vantive was about to be acquired by a company by the name of PeopleSoft. And at, at that time, there were a number of folks who got spooked by the acquisition, I suppose you could say, and people started leaving Vantive before the acquisition. They didn't wanna move forward through that transition. And so seats started to open up. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like straight beeline to the, the pre-sales management and said, hey, I, I want to get in here. Let, I want to use this as an opportunity to shift over in the role. And they were very amenable to it. They put me through some paces to make sure it would probably work for me. Ultimately, they, they moved me over. And my last day at Vantive, I was still in customer success or the day before the last day, essentially. And my first day at PeopleSoft, I was a pre-sales engineer and I never looked back. It, so basically, the acquisition scared off enough people that gave you the opening to go in there and get the job that you had your eye on all that time. Exactly. Exactly. I, it, it's interesting because it, it seems to me that that there's such a, you know, there's always a talent war, even in these current economic environment and, and pre-sales and sales engineering is one of the, in my experience, is one of the hardest roles for people to hire because of exactly what you already described, all those mix of skill sets. It, it's just mm-hmm. amazing to me that someone would have to push that hard. Somebody who, and almost in the, in the current environment, I think people would be begging for you to take a role like that. Yeah. I'd, I'm not sure what was going on at the, <laughs> with that, that team at that time, but there, there wasn't an imminent opening until, till that acquisition came along and boy, I was super thankful for it. And starting that role, uh, at a, at a great cost company like PeopleSoft was as well was just a fantastic experience. Was it everything that you hoped once you actually had the the job? It was. Uh, I'll say it was very different back at that time, I think, as well. There there wasn't so much uh, structured SE or you know, pre-sales uh, enablement going on, no, not so much training. It was more of, <clears throat> here's your laptop, here's a stack of disks, get the stuff running on there, read the manual, Here's the here are the manuals, right? And they were paper copied, <laughs> printed books. And, you know, kind of- paper? Yeah, right? And here, figure it out, learn it, and, you know, we'll, we'll get you on the schedule for demo. And, you know, I, I would shadow another SE around uh, and that sort of a thing, but it was really- trial by fire, right? Just get in there, figure it out, fall on your face a few times in front of customers, and then you know what mistakes never to make again in your life and and then keep going forward. So it was, it was what I wanted, uh, still is, but I think it's evolved into such a great structured and supported role now compared to, you know, 1998 when I jumped into it. It's a, it's a little like customer success, right? It's, it was sort of this nascent thing that a lot of companies hadn't figured out. And to your point, now it's a little bit more for, fully formed. And now there's a bit of an ecosystem and some best practices. But even those things are kind of new to some extent. And yeah, back then, uh, 
there, there wasn't anything. So sort of an ob- obvious question to ask, but did you, you obviously been at Oracle for many years. That was by way of PeopleSoft, right? Because they were eventually acquired by Oracle. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I just, <laughs> uh, I, it was an interesting dilemma each time this happened with these acquisitions. And it was similar when we acquired, when I was at Oracle and we would acquire some other solution was within my domain so then it's it's almost like being acquired again because it's it's like well, which, yeah. which solution is going to win out here sort of a thing um so it happened multiple times to me but each time i had to i had to go through that decision process of yeah asking myself do i like this path do i want to stay with this acquisition do i see opportunity over there or is this my time to pull the eject Cord. And uh, each time I wrote it out and figure I'd make an educated decision instead of a, you know, assumptive one or presumptive one. I figured I'd get over there, see what it was like before making a, a decision. And each time it's worked out beautifully, thankfully. We've been at Oracle for 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 many years now, and, and so obviously you made the right decision. And uh, moving on to. Uh, uh, the, the other uh, the other topic we are going to discuss, I know that at Oracle, you've actually created, I think what you call a class of program, which is finding the next uh, generation of pre-sales and hiring, hiring them directly out of out of college. And I, it's interesting because uh, we had another guest who had a similar program at their company. And it seems like the the really big organizations are starting. You know, it's one thing to to look for software engineers out of college or even, you know, sales development representatives. But pre-sales is it's really interesting that that becomes something that you're sourcing directly out of college. So I'd love to hear about uh, how you kind of fell into that and how you're going about it and what that kind of looks like at Oracle. Sure. Yeah, it does seem to be much more common across different vendors out there uh, these days. And I don't, my my own take on it is that behind it is the was the fact that early days, such, similar to my own story, the pre-sales positions were being filled by folks out of out of industry, out of other roles, having experience in a certain domain or an industry specific expertise and so on. So they come into it not as trained pre-sales folks. And as you as you highlighted, there's there's a whole lot of juggling that goes on to be a really sharp uh, sales engineer. And so then it's a, a matter of reprogramming or, or training and retraining uh, folks who have been doing something else for however many years. Now, uh, then a number of years passed and and that population stayed around much like my my own story it's great role people don't leave it typically that population of employees in pre-sales was was aging and some folks were you know moving around to get something different and also retiring even uh, they'd been doing similar things for so long so it was time to rejuvenate pre-sales role uh, or population by hiring in some some youth, I think, and and with the approach of training them right from the start, like they're going to be career pre-sales folks, as opposed to, you know, as I said, folks from industry bringing their knowledge into a pre-sales position. That's what Oracle's done. That's what other companies have done. It's it's really fantastic. It has rejuvenated our own pre-sales population uh, quite a lot by having that that new perspective. Uh, come in and, you know, just a, a younger, more digital population, if you will. Yeah, no, it's really interesting, Shannon. I, I just, it's like you, you made a really good point that, that you have to bring people in from, if you're not bringing them out of college, you have to bring people in and kind of retrain them. But at the same time, what I've sort of seen is that those people who come in from sales or from, 
you know, software engineering, and then they take on this role, they, they have such a, a strong degree of technical and or sales acumen that, that that's what they're bringing to the table. Whereas if you're hiring people directly into it, they, they haven't had the experience to kind of hone those skills. So where, you know, what kind of advantages do you see out of bringing those, those people in younger and newer than you do kind of retraining uh, the old guard? That context, if you will, from experience that you highlight is a big thing that I'll circle back to. Yeah, that's a real issue, if you will, something really to be addressed with with focus. But, um, you know, what we do gain is, as I said, youth, different perspective, no preconceptions, kind of more of a willingness to to just go out there and and take take swings at things. Um, You know, they're much more uh, open to risk, if you will, you know, on the on the downside, they they don't have that experience to give them context. And it's not necessarily just uh, technical or sales uh, acumen. It could be, you know, industry. Or if, if you have an ERP, you know, a financials SE, and you hire them right out of college to be a financials or, um, you know, supply chain or, or some really heavy area of a business and SE representing solutions for those areas, not having that experience to lean on to, to support them in conversations and discovery and demos is is a real, real challenge that uh, we're working hard to overcome. You probably cover that with a bit with training, right? We do cover uh, as much as possible with training. Uh, if you think about it, we are we are very much starting at a 101 level. Uh Whereas where we used to hire, or we still do hire folks in from an industry, maybe they have 10 years or so experience in an industry, and then we have them shift and be the vendor instead of the customer. <clears throat> That's very effective, but they those folks don't have, uh, often have, they sometimes don't have that, that sales acumen and that present presentation skills and, and so on. So it's it's a tough <laughs> no matter which way you come at it i guess pre-sales is a is a difficult position to really hire the right sharp people into yeah i you know totally agree if if you were to kind of give advice to somebody listening who was interested in kind of running a you know you know junior pre-sales group what are, what are the kind of the, some of the pieces you cover in your curriculum have you talked about demo skills i mean what else would you would you cover absolutely uh so the way we approach it and i, I imagine others do as well is we, we try to make it very balanced um with soft skills training and uh, we do um four months intensive classroom type uh interactive soft skills training with presentation skills and demo skills and objection handling and and uh, executive conversations and and the like whole you know, four months solid of, of that type of training. And then we move into product training. Uh, so they get more of the technical skills, if you will. They learn the, our solutions that they'll be representing with by using those soft skills. I think that that next piece is that context, right? Trying to fill in that context that they don't have through uh, years of experience in, in other positions. And so I'm coming at it now in our organization from from the, uh, the approach of using defined, documented best practices for every, every possible process that an organization that one of our customers could, could be running. With, with the thought being, if they really understand the best practice and why it's a best practice and what, you know, what good looks like and what not so good looks like in uh, relation to a best practice. If some, if a company is using a per- particular best practice or they're not, what would the differences be? Now, 
they have a leg to stand on. They have something to reference, you know, a constant reference point. Even though they don't have the experience of seeing it in action for years themselves, they at least understand in detail that process. So that's that's one recommendation or piece of advice I would give somebody is give them a baseline. I would, in retrospect, start have started there with our training rather than into the soft skills. Uh, if I were to do it again, uh, and we will be doing it again in the spring, you know, that's that's one thing is give them some some reference, some baseline to start with, not just solutions and soft skills. And then the other thing is some companies are hiring in these class ofs, these uh, SEs right out of college and putting them together in into their own teams uh, with the thought, uh, rightfully so, that then there's they're like a cohort. There's camaraderie. They're going through it together. They're helping each other learn and, and so on. And that's all very valid. But there's also a little bit missing there of not teaming them up with um, more experienced SEs, with mentors, if you will, that are just baked into the same team to help them along and guide them along. So it's finding the right balance there, I suppose, is the the next piece that I would focus on. And you guys are, you're, you're assigning mentors to this incoming group, it sounds like, in order to make sure that they're getting the benefit of that experience. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Having the foundation, the best practices that uh, that's, that's a terrific tip. Um, just going back quickly to one point you made, I was I was interested in the idea of of risk and how that's something you identify in somebody who's coming into the program. And I, I wanted to just sort of just I don't know riff a little bit about the idea of a sales engineering or pre sales that the best ones and the things you think are the ones that are going to be the next superstars have a little bit of a risk profile. What what do you think about that? Not like throw caution to the wind, <laughs> you know, hold my beer sort of risk, right? <laughs> um, but just more of a willingness, right? I like to see an, uh, a willingness to for somebody to put themselves out there. Want something I wouldn't say I'm a big risk taker by any means. Something I I did learn early in my career, and I've watched it prove itself time and again. Is just the mere fact of raising your hand, of of being the one who says yes when there's some new project or initiative or challenge, um, or even kind of the, the crappy deal, if you will, that comes along, right? It's like no win situation, you know, saying, sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot. That sort of um, mentality or, or personality is, is definitely something that I, I get drawn to when I'm hiring, just because there's, it's not crazy risk taking, but it's that willingness to go into an uncertain situation, because really that's essentially what we do every day. You know, like it or not, no matter how long you've been in the role, there's always variables in the next customer that you're not going to have all under your control. There's always some risk. There's always risk of things not working right, of things crashing in the middle of your demo, of a customer being hostile for whatever reason, and so on. So there is it inherent in the role is risk. So I like to see indications of that willingness to say, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and do it uh, when I'm interviewing. That you, you just nailed it. That's where I was going. It's just that it, it can be an it's, it's inherently risky job because you don't know what kind of customer you're going to face with. You don't know what technical blockers are going to be there. You don't know what the personality is going to be like. And if all you want to do is sit behind a computer and code or uh, you know, it, it's it's probably not the right fit. That that just makes a ton of sense. Shannon, moving on to another topic we we had previously discussed. I, one thing we talk about at Vivin a lot is how the role of pre-sales changes when a company is trying to sell primarily to commercial accounts versus enterprise or strategic accounts. What we've kind of seen is that 
companies say, well, we're not going to make as much money on on smaller commercial deals. So pre-sales should be less experienced and less expensive when they're helping account reps selling in those smaller deals. I know this is something that you're working on at Oracle. So I, I just love to kind of hear your thoughts on and your philosophy on the role of pre-sales in those two segments. What have you kind of seen work in the past? Yeah. And I, I think you're spot on that from a from an economics perspective, if if a if a company, you know, any company, any software vendor out there were to do their their strategy and their planning, how are we going to go to market plans? Uh, they typically would look at investing their higher cost, higher talent, more experienced pre-sales folks in those enterprise or strategic accounts, right? Because those are the those are the big deals, they're the big logos. They're they're most critical to the business in 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 one sense. Um, and then have their more less experienced, more junior, newer career type uh, pre-sales folks focus down market like commercial or SMB. Uh, so I, I see that making sense at that surface level, right? If you're just looking at that economy in that way, that makes sense. And you, you know, with the hope that uh, those younger, newer career SEs or, or pre-sales folks, you know, they cut their teeth on the smaller deals, the smaller accounts where it's less risk and so on, right? And eventually they'll move up and become the next wave to cover the more strategic things. Seemingly makes sense. But what what happens in reality, especially now in, in our cloud world, uh, I'd say, is that the, the those strategic or enterprise accounts, they're still there. They're still just as large and their deals are still just as big revenue-wise and year-over-year value. But the Commercial and SMB accounts definitely actually make up a major portion of the business. There's just many more of those accounts, right? So it's more of a more of a volume, but they're they're no less important, right? Because they they add up. They it all adds up to roughly the same amount, uh, give or take. And importantly, and that probably where you were going, the the complexity is the same in those businesses. They're just smaller. For sure. They're, their, their needs are the same, their processes are the same, or maybe even more challenging because they're, they're a smaller, more innovative company and they're kind of blazing new trails and they need this, their solutions that they're using to do things differently than typical, uh, than, the, than most other companies. So all this complexity is there. And what that means is pre-sales has to handle that. So it, it's just because it's a smaller account and a smaller uh, revenue size, smaller deal size, that doesn't mean that a more jun- junior folk can handle it. They don't necessarily have the experience to take on that complexity, even in that smaller deal. So <clears throat> I think what, what we're seeing now uh, at our company and, and, and others is trying to find the right blend of newer career and more senior pre-sales folks to to carry the business and, and what look for the attributes across those markets of, you know, at individual customers and, and what are the attributes that say this needs a more experienced pre-sales person versus this one, even though they might be upside down from what we considered enterprise or strategic or commercial. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It seems like there's a little more nuance in how you attach pre-sales to those deals other than, hey, it's small, hey, it's big. 
I mean, for one thing, you're saying that the revenue impact can be as big or greater when you're talking about an SMB or a growth company, particularly if it makes up a lot of your install base. And it's more about the the, the particular skill set of the pre-sales person versus the deal at hand. I'd also think that a smaller account may not have enough technical staff to even handle the the, the product. So they might need more pre-sales support rather than less. So growing mm. uh, experience of people that may not may not always work. Do you have like you know, have you even worked it out to the, to, in terms of metrics that you're able to kind of communicate to your colleagues to say, hey, here's here's the prism we should be looking at this that's different than simply the size of the account? Uh, no, I can't say that we've gotten that prescriptive about it yet, unfortunately. But that's definitely our goal, though, so that it's not simply uh, looking at a company by its employee size or its um, annual revenue. There are definitely other factors that we need to start considering into the mix that we haven't been predicting like the growth path. If you know a company is going to need more licenses in the near few, in the in the you know the next year or so, that's going to uh, change how you how you look at that as well. Well, then that's definitely a, a bit of the reason we, we haven't quite figured it out yet is it's such a time of disruption out there in the marketplace, at least in the, the lot that we deal with, where there's there are new companies popping up and, you know, not like just add water and overnight there's a new company. They've been doing their thing, but all of a sudden they're in, they've hit it hot and they're in great demand and they're growing faster than they can keep their hands on and they need help. So it's it's like even tiny tiny technology companies who might have been around, you know, think of a of a Zoom or a Peloton, right? Those are great brands, we're all familiar with them or many many of us are familiar with them and might have a Peloton bike at home and what have you. But soon as COVID hit, they've gone through the roof. And who would have who would have predicted that, right? So, but their business model is very complex and if we had worked with them with less experienced SEs, pre-sales folks, then it would be a different, might be a different outcome than if we had worked with them with more experienced SEs, even though at the time we would have worked with them, they were, you know, nobody would have predicted their growth trajectory. Yeah, that's a great point. So even the current uh, environment that we're all uh, so fortunate to be in uh, affects how we talk about this, because like you said, some of these smaller companies are taking off like a rocket. Uh, we, we certainly see the same at Vivint, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Shannon, it sounds like you've got lots uh, on your plate with the class of program and also working on the commercial enterprise accounts. It sounds like you've been very fortunate to be first eaten up by one fish, which is PeopleSoft on Vantiv and then Oracle on top of uh, um, PeopleSoft and uh, found a, a great role. So thanks a lot for talking to me today. And Oh, it's my pleasure, Greg. Thanks for asking me. Hey, got any good plans for the weekend? Uh, nope. Hopefully staying cool. <laughs> Makes sense to me.